What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 120. So today, Josh is going to be telling us about some possible alien species. And Janelle and I are going to be kind of reacting to it because neither of us know much about this topic, but Josh does. So we're going to hear about some really interesting stuff today. Yeah, a number of different potential species that are out there that have also potentially may have been in contact with Earth as well. So this uh, could very well be the truth about what's going on in the extraterrestrial world. Maybe. Or it could just be a bunch of fantasy <laughs> bullshit. But either way, we will we'll have to decide for yourself because we got some interesting stuff to cover. But before we get into all of that, I want to thank our sponsor for today. We've got Aslo. Thank you, Aslo, for supporting the show. We appreciate it. Let's go ahead and jump into the first topic. So the first thing we're going to talk about is actually President Trump. He did a recent interview with Donald Trump Jr. where Donald Trump Jr. is actually asking him about what he potentially knows about the alien issue. So there's actually a little news clip we'll play because it's actually uh, kind of funny and interesting at the same time. Before you leave office, will you let us know if there's aliens? Because this is the only thing I really want to know. I, I want to know what's going on. Would you ever open up Roswell and let us know what's really going on there? So many people ask me that question. I you know, know it sounds almost ridiculous, no, but no, it's, it's actually it's, the real question I want to know. It sounds like a cute question, but it's actually, there are millions and millions of people that want to go there, that want to see it. I won't talk to you about what I know about it, but it's very interesting. But Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. So you're saying you may declassify? Oh. You'll, you'll, you'll take it? Well, I'll, I, I'll have to think about that one, right? Hmm. Uh. So thoughts on what, what, what does he know? Said. Either he is just can't like put words together in a sentence because <laughs> it is a little confusing by what he said because he, he, the way he talks about this is as if there's something in Roswell that's hidden. There. Yeah. And it's interesting that it wasn't really about Area 51 because we all know. I think know. he was kind of confused. Yeah, I think he was confused too. I think they're both confused about <laughs> Area 51 versus Roswell. I think yeah. Donald Trump Jr. was referring to Area 51. Like, What's in Area 51? Everyone wants to go there and see it. Yeah, but go then Roswell. President Trump was saying Roswell, which yeah. we all know Roswell was where, you know, kind mm -hmm. of the UFO. It's not the same place there. Huh? Phenomenon started, yeah. It's not the same place. And <laughs> the likelihood of there actually being anything in either of those places at this point are mm -hmm. probably slim to none. Yeah, most people that really know anything about the alien community and kind of what's out there know that it's very unlikely that they would still have anything in a hot spot like Area 51. You know, there's probably still something there, but they're not holding like the main secrets or aliens like Donald Trump is kind of leading to. At yeah. Area 51. Wouldn't that yeah. be pretty foolish? The yeah. one place everyone in the world thinks they are, that's where they keep them. Yeah, it's not there. Yeah. I could tell you that right now. It it's seemed to me there. like he didn't really know that much. Like, he kind of wants to know. I mean, according to a lot of, like, experts out there and people who speak on this topic, oftentimes the president doesn't get to know a lot when it comes to this type of stuff. You have to have a certain clearance, and the president is only of a certain clearance. A lot of people don't know that. There's a lot of people above the president that decide whether or not the president gets to know information. Yeah, I mean, they keep it very compartmentalized in, in the military. So, you know, the likelihood of him actually knowing anything is very low. But at the same time, it's interesting that he's, you know, talking about Roswell because perhaps, you know, we know the official story out of Roswell was that the Air Force said it was a weather balloon, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you know, flying saucers that crashed. There was no bodies recovered. But the way that he was kind of talking about it in that clip made me think, Maybe he knows more about just Roswell in general that, you know, maybe the public doesn't know. Or he has been told that it wasn't a weather balloon like you told. Them. I mean, that seems like pretty basic now, you know, if you've yeah. explored this topic at all. You kind of, you know, know that. believe that it wasn't a weather balloon and it was, in fact, extraterrestrial vehicles that, in fact, crashed near Roswell, not, you know, a weather balloon. So. I don't know. It's it's interesting because every new president, you know, people always ask him, you know, like there's mm -hmm. a clips from President Obama and Jimmy Kimmel was asking him about Area 51. Bill Clinton. Hillary Clinton about it as well. And Bill talked about it a lot on like late night shows. He would tease that he knew some shit. But, but I feel like they all kind of react the same. Like every time a politician's asked about it, they're kind of like, <laughs> and they like play yeah. it off because I don't know if that's just because they have to play it off and act like they don't know, or if it's because they really don't know, like you were saying mm -hmm. how the president, you know, is not a uh, cl class. He's not, 
what is the word, educated on every little detail about everything that's going on in the in the government and in our world and society as a whole. So, I mean, maybe the presidents do know some, but do you think that they have all all the information and do you think that Donald Trump really knows what's going on at Area 51 and and Roswell like he says? Probably not, because again, yeah. it's probably not happening in those places anyways. Exactly, and I think he doesn't want to seem like he there's information out there that he doesn't know. Yeah, you know? well, and, and plus it's fun to play like, ooh, I have information that I can't tell you, yeah. but you know, I'll kind of dangle it here in your face, and you know, Donald Trump is like, tell me, tell me, tell me what it is. You know? yeah. He's like, so, daddy, <laughs> tell me the secrets. <laughs> but reality is, is he probably doesn't know all that much. I mean, again, you know, when you're a president, you do deal with national security issues and things like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, what we've talked about in the past with the, the Pentagon's study of UFOs and all of that, he probably does know a decent amount, of, at least what the public knows, and then maybe a little bit more than what we know as far as the national security yeah. issue the government is putting forward in, in relation to UFOs. So maybe there's something there that he knows that he's, you know, keeping from yeah. us. He but might have some tidbits. But I don't think he's going to be the president that's going to spill the beans on no, all, all of the so. you know extraterrestrial phenomenon. So, mm -hmm. but speaking of you know aliens and the government, NASA is really stepping up their resources in the search for extraterrestrial life. So recently, they came out and said that they are going to be giving Harvard and some other institutions who are all working together on a new project to start scanning the skies for technological signatures from alien civilizations. So they're going to start funding some of these projects that these universities are doing it and other institutions like SETI and things like that. So what they're going to be doing is they're going to be scanning the skies for these techno signatures, which are going to be looking for different things that could signify that there's some type of civilization out there, which some of these signatures might include industrial pollution of atmospheres, city lights, photovolactic cells, megastructures, or swarms of satellites. So with NASA's help, Harvard and these other institutions are hopefully going to be able to look for places in the universe that could be potentially inhabited by other civilizations via these techno signatures. So looking for light reflecting off of a you know, a mega structure like a Dyson sphere. I think mm. I've talked about that before where an advanced civilization could actually build an artificial structure around a star in order to harness its energy. energy. So they're going to specifically be looking for things like that where, you know, or polluting gases coming off of uh, atmosphere or something like that. So they're stepping up the game as far as looking for aliens at this point. Well, what if they're, you know, their alien race is so evolved that they don't have any pollutants? Well, that's the thing is I think, and we'll talk about that today. This is great because a lot of these alien species we'll be talking about are far more advanced than what scientists and NASA are assuming civilizations are going to look mm -hmm. like. There's, they're, they're assuming them to us. They're really, yeah, they really are. Just they're comparing stupid. to, or just a more advanced version of humans, like a thousand years in the future, we'd still be using this type of technology. But mm. the thing about it is they're not taking into account the consciousness part of it that we'll get into today and, and the dimensions and all of that. So so with that being said, let's move to this last little study that was recently published that talks about how there are likely 36 active extraterrestrial civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy alone. So the study was published in the Astrophysical Journal, and it argued that it is reasonable to estimate the amount of different alien civilizations can be calculated by using Earth-like planets as a variable in a mathematical equation. So they think that there's 36 in the Milky Way alone? At least 36. That's crazy. Based on using like the Drake equation and some other equations in order to look at how many Earth-like planets are there. And then if you plug that into the equation, then it kicks out at least 36. At the very minimum, would have to have civilizations on it and life and probably some type of intelligent life on it. That's really, really hard to wrap your mind around. 36 just in our Milky Way. Mm -hmm. So how many are in the entire universe? Thousands, potentially. So even at the lowest estimate, if there is 36 within the Milky Way, and then there's millions of galaxies in the universe, more there's probably more than that. But just roughly, like even if there was 36,000, you know, within just this little section of the mm -hmm. universe, like that's a lot of different intelligent life out there. 
that makes this episode even more interesting to think about because the likelihood that there are other races is very high. And to think, of course, to think that we're the only species is just stupid. I mean, we know that in the universe. Come on. Yeah. And, and I mean, even in our own galaxy, I mean, the Milky Way. I know. And if you look at how big the Milky Way is and just even how big our solar system is. Doesn't it make you think about how ridiculous it is that we have separated ourselves so much on this planet when we are all the same human race and we've like categorized ourselves so much. Meanwhile, there's all these other alien races that are truly different from us, like as in they could be a praying mantis type body. You know, isn't that weird to think about? Well, yeah. And even within those different species, there's races within the species, just like there's races within the human species. Mm -hmm. There's the same thing goes for aliens and we'll talk about that more today like if you look at all these different potential alien species out there you can't say that they're just one race there's probably yeah like different variety yeah different Mm -hmm. varieties of, of these species out there so but i think to be evolved you have to be united you know, more as a species, right? Absolutely. More than we are to be, you know, of a certain, to get to that, you know, first level of the Kardashev scale. Absolutely. Well, and, and that requires raising your consciousness and, mm-hmm. and really elevating yourself and yourself spiritually and mentally in all these different ways in order to reach that. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're going to talk about today too, is how the different dimensions of consciousness work and how that is such a huge role in evolving as a species and start traveling among the stars and and really exploring this universe is that we have to do what we, I think a lot of these other species out there have done in order to traverse space and time. Cause Mm -hmm. clearly there's this whole other, you know, field source field per se that just many of us don't even tap into because we're still at this low level of consciousness as a species. So Mm -hmm. there's all these different things that, that play into it. So it's pretty interesting. So with all that being said, we are going to be covering five different alien species races today. And I mean, it's just an alien episode through and through from start to finish. So before we get into the first species, we'd like to thank our sponsor for today. All right. So first things first, I want to talk a little bit about this book that's out there on the internet. It's called the secret book of alien races. And I found this probably a year or two ago, and it's basically just a PDF that's got literally, I don't even know how many uh, different species of aliens they have listed in this thing, but there's a bunch. But today we're going to be talking about five different species that many people believe have either visited Earth in the past or are actually still in contact with us here on Earth in some way, shape, or form. And who wrote this book? So this book... Nobody really knows who wrote this book per se, but because it actually was in Russian when it was originally found. Oh, wow. But after it was found, it was translated from Russian to English, as far as we know. So a man named Dante Santori, who was a former special forces sergeant from Europe, translated this secret book about aliens from Russian to English. And after he did, I mean, this thing made its way around the internet. And if you're into the UFO phenomenon or aliens at all, you've probably come across this book in your search for information online. I mean, it's it's out there and I've got a link and I'll put it in the description and in the show notes for you guys who you want to check this out and kind of read through it. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's got some, you know, interesting points about mm-hmm. some different species out there that you probably haven't even heard of before. So some of the information that I collected on these five species came from that, but I also went beyond that and got some more information from some different places because the thing about this topic is that, you know, it's not like there's scientific journals out there that or proof. can explain, you know, anything that we're going to be talking about. So mm-hmm. yeah, or proof per se. I mean, for all we know, this could be completely made up and just you know, written by somebody, came from somebody's imagination at some point. But a lot of them are talked about often. You do hear about them in the, you know, UFO community. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely some of the ones we're going to be talking about today. A lot of you have probably heard of some of them, like the Greys. I feel like a lot of people have heard of the Greys. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to be covering the Greys, reptilians. Or that, yeah. mm -hmm. A lot of people have heard of that. Uh, We're going to be covering the Pleiadians, or they're Pleiadians. also known as the Nordic aliens. Oh, right. I've heard of that. Um, as well as the Androm- Andromedans. And last but not least, 
the mantis aliens. That one creeps me out the most. <laughs> but anyways, back to this book. So this book is believed to have been written around 1946 and 1947, and it has constant additions and revisions over the years. And the claim is that it was given to government agents for them to add their information to. So we don't, this, this book of alien species is really like up for debate and interpretation. I mean, nobody really knows where mm -hmm. it came from, but potentially a lot of these species, including some of the ones I think we're going to talk about today may have originated from this book because it's, it's old. It goes back to, you know, around when Roswell happened, uh, believe it or not. So I don't know. I don't know what I totally think about it, but it's definitely an interesting read. So when we talk about these different alien species today, we're going to be coming at it from a very neutral perspective when we talk about their origin, their evolution, as well as some of the qualities that they have and potentially what they're doing with us here on planet Earth, as well as like, what's their role? You know, what are they known to do? And the other thing, too, is that I'm not really going to go into too much as far as a lot of people believe that some of these species are evil. Mm -hmm. Some of them are good. And again, like it's just up to up for interpretation. I mean, we mm -hmm. know, but none of us really know you know, if they're evil or if they're good, but there's a lot of interesting things that people put forward that kind of puts them in one of those categories. Because I truly believe this, the universe is free, you know, free will is an essential part of being uh, an actual being in this universe. And with that comes duality. So good and evil, right versus wrong. Absolutely. And I'm not one of those people that think that all extraterrestrials out there in the universe are going to be good and, you know, nice to us. That's kind of foolish to believe that. Yeah. And there's some people out there that do believe that all extraterrestrials are good because they believe that they're going to be so, you know, consciously advanced. That's true. That they're not going to want before. to do any harm to others or they're so advanced that they're evil. I was going to say though, a lot of times in that realm, we talk about the importance of having a balance between good and evil, dark and light, because if you have only light, mm -hmm. then dark doesn't exist. If you don't right. have dark, light doesn't exist and vice versa. And so is it, does it really make sense to have every species be a quote, good species? Because mm -hmm. what does that make them then? If, they, if there is nothing else to compare them to. And if that's true, then are we the only ones that are so-called like evil or dark? Like we, are we the only ones out here that are so uncivilized that we're yeah, we're the or only split. dark species. Right. That, I don't know. That's that just kind of doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, I completely agree. I think dark and light both have to exist in the universe in order to have balance. I feel like we have to have balance in the universe in order for everything to work. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you look at it from a scientific perspective, all the way down to the molecular level, mm -hmm. you know, you got neutrons, protons, yeah, positive, negative, yeah, absolutely, electrons. So it's, it's clearly an essential law of the universe that there has to be this duality. There has to be good. There has to be bad. There has to be evil. There has to be good, you know, because without it, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's boring for one, mm -hmm. but also how do you grow then? Mm -hmm. You know, like once you reach, it's kind of crazy to think that all life out there has reached this enlightened state where they're all just like kind of gods and, and all they nice. all just want to, you know, get along and they all want Continue to just harmony in the universe. Exactly. Mm. I feel like there's got to be some that have a natural, like self-serving quality to them, you know, where they Absolutely. want to make sure that they are superior and possibly take out other species. Absolutely. And there's got to be that too. Yep. And we'll talk about some of those. So the first species we're going to be talking about is the famous grays, uh, specifically the Zeta reticulin grays. So gray aliens are probably the most common type or form of aliens that we know of. Mm -hmm. It's definitely popular in media and Hollywood and things like that. Yeah, you see them depicted in Hollywood as grays often. Right. So some claim that there's taller grays and they have an increased authority and a more complex psychology but then there's also the shorter grays that many people believe are biologically alive, but they're artificially constructed. So they're kind of like a robot or a cyborg servant. Oh, I didn't know that. I've mm -hmm. heard of tall and short, but I didn't know that the short ones were like robots. Yeah, there's a lot of people that believe huh. that there's, you know, other species that are 
artificially creating these smaller grays and maybe even our government is involved in this in creating the smaller species of these gray aliens. As far as what they look like, they're commonly known to have large heads, big black eyes, spindly bodies, grayish skin uh, that come in different color variations, as well as their head is larger than a human's head. And the classic have, like clip art alien. Exactly. It's, it's definitely that. And they have no noses and only nostrils and their mm -hmm. arms are usually longer um, and they have three to four fingers and they can range in size from three feet to six feet and they are less physically dense than we are, yet they retain the use of their body form and can change their physical vessels for different purposes. Now, one of the things we're going to be talking about with these different alien species is also where they are on the consciousness scale. Now, if you don't know what the consciousness scale is, there's three different states of consciousness that are most commonly associated with living beings in the universe. Mm -hmm. Now, the scale goes all the way up to 12 dimensions of consciousness it's the same with like the universe the universe has i believe up to 10 dimensions so we're talking about it from more of a consciousness spiritual perspective not so much a dimensional you know space time type of look when we're talking about the different dimensions 3d 40 and 5d what would earth be considered right yeah. now like humans so everybody here on earth at the very base is a 3d consciousness being so we perceive everything in a purely physical state at the very least but mm -hmm. all of us have the potential to reach a four-dimensional or fifth dimensional consciousness and we can kind of go between them sometimes as well so i'll explain what that means exactly so 3d consciousness is kind of just your you know everybody starts out there and a lot of people out there kind of get stuck there. You know, it's kind of looked at as like you're asleep. You're not really perceiving more than just yourself. Everything is centered mm. around yourself and you're not thinking about others. You're not thinking about the bigger picture. You know, a lot of people get trapped in that, mm -hmm. you know, point of view. Your so, yeah. right. So when you transition to a 40 consciousness, you're beginning to awaken to this idea that we are all connected and that there is more to life than meets the eye. So it's, mm. it's kind of like the woke scale in a way, like you're kind yeah. of just waking up from being, you know, asleep mm -hmm. and starting to perceive the world more for what it, we can't see. So a lot of people say that we are in the great awakening right now. Does that mean we're like headed towards a 4D world? Is that possible to have on earth? Well, yeah. I mean, so as a species, you can collectively reach a four dimensional state, a fifth dimensional state, and even higher. Some of these species out there in the universe have godlike consciousness. You know, they have this ability to, you know, the, nothing in the physical world prohibits them. Like they're able to communicate telepathically. They're able to move through space and time at will and they can change their forms of their bodies. They can do all of these crazy things that we think is magic and it's just they have achieved a higher dimensional state. Because if you think about the different these different dimensions and you think about the people that are, you know, in a four-dimensional consciousness, a fifth-dimensional consciousness, if you look at monks, for example, mm. Buddhist monks, mm -hmm. they are definitely at a four or five or even higher dimensional consciousness because of, of their ability to, you know, meditate for long mm -hmm. periods of time, to astral project to remote view all those different things play into that we even talked about on this show one time i can't remember his name but he was a monk that meditated for so long that his body started glowing he like reached a different state completely remember that yeah the light body yeah the light body if you mm -hmm. look that up yeah it's a real thing too mm -hmm. it's it was captured uh, on camera so that's so interesting. you can transcend your physical body and eventually turn into a light being essentially like you're, you're able to reach that point i know a lot of people are like josh what the hell are you talking about <laughs> like this sounds crazy but and it's it might not be true i mean it's still at the end of the day it's a belief system it's your own interpretation of the universe or someone's interpretation we're not like sitting here being like this is fact this is true yeah well and to that's, an extent yeah well that's the thing about it is consciousness is this mystery still mm -hmm. we don't understand it but what we do know is that there is different states of consciousness right. just on a very basic that level is provable. Yeah. There's being asleep. And what happens when you're asleep, you dream. Mm -hmm. 
So a lot of people attribute reaching a 40 consciousness to being able to access the dream world and be able to harness that altered state of consciousness in a different way. So not just, you know, having your typical dream, but lucid dreaming to astral projection where you're actually, you know, leaving your body and traveling somewhere else as well as remote viewing. So seeing another place in space and time. I really would love to interview someone who has done that or claims to have done that. I think that's fascinating. I would love to be able to do that one day. It's hard to find somebody that, you know, you could feel like you could trust enough to give you an authentic, you know, Mm -hmm. account of their experience. Cause I feel like a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, I've done that before. But it's like, okay. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing is how do you, how do you determine that? So you kind of have Mm -hmm. to go with people's word, but yeah, it's definitely very interesting. So this fourth dimension is the dream world, like I said, but it's also called the astral plane. It's a dimension that is less dense and much more fluid than the third dimension, but still hosts the illusion of duality and the ego can also exist here. So that's a part of it too, is like when you achieve, you know, different states of consciousness, your ego, you know, starts to dissolve, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you can reach these different states of consciousness via tools as well. So psychedelics, psychedelics you know, ketamine, ayahuasca, ketamine. There's lots of different substances that can help you achieve a four dimensional consciousness or even a five dimensional consciousness where five dimensional is there is no self like you're mm-hmm. you have fully accepted that the, the best way I like to describe this is Jim Carrey. You know, I, lo- <laughs> yeah. I love listening. I don't know if anybody else out there does has listened to some of his talks about, you know, his awakening mm-hmm. spiritually he had a Kundalini awakening. Yeah. And that in itself is reaching a five dimensional consciousness where you are one with the universe. You are one with everything. Ego is ceases to exist. Mm -hmm. And he likes to say, I don't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, there's those famous clips of him interviewing and and he just sound people like, what happened to Jim Carrey? I don't care what you think. I don't care. He's like, I went to the most meaningless thing. Yeah. Right. And he said, all of this is meaningless. Where was he at? Uh, fashion week, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, look up like the Icon Awards, Jim yeah, Carrey it was the or Icon something. Awards, it's yeah. so funny. It's a great clip. Yeah, and uh, that is a perfect example. I mean, I believe mm-hmm. Jim Carrey has achieved a, a fifth dimensional consciousness because he doesn't even refer to himself as Jim Carrey anymore. Jim Carrey was a character that he played, mm-hmm. and you know he is everything. He isn't a person anymore. He is all that is to, around to us. him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. From his perspective. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what reaching a fifth dimensional consciousness, completely means. different understanding of the universe and life and right. what it means to be alive. It's really kind of reaching a state of enlightenment as much as we can as mm-hmm. a, as a human. So but a lot of people look at him and think he's fucking crazy. Right. That's the thing about it is a lot of people would say what happened to him. He, he fell off the wagon. Too there. many like, drugs. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But in reality, he could just be, you know, just pushed his consciousness along farther than, you know, the majority of people ever will get to. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to just be like, oh, he's crazy. But in the end, he might be, you know, more advanced than we are. So it's interesting, especially when you talk about these different species. So back to the grays. So the grays exist in the four dimension and are starting to evolve in the fifth dimension. So all of these species on a consciousness scale are higher than us. Yeah. None of these species that we're going to talk about are at the three, 3d. That sucks. I wish there was someone that was lower than us or, you know, you never hear about an alien species. That's just like dumb, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if it was dumb, then we'd probably see them all the time or we wouldn't No, Why would we see them? Well, cause if, if they're in the third dimension there, it's also going to be harder for them to hide from us Unless because they're on another planet somewhere. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what but I'm, I'm saying. saying if there, oh, well, if there was a species here. In oh, we're third talking dimension. about ones that have possibly traveled here. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're dumb, you probably right. haven't figured out how to space travel. <laughs> exactly. But you're right. There could be a planet out there where I there's some, so. you know, Unevolved other species scenes. like humans. That I are, hope we're not the worst of them. Probably not. If you think, look at the chances, there's probably other, you know, 3D humans out there somewhere. Or beings. Or beings out there mm-hmm. for sure. Plus, I'm sure there were tons of, if this is true, there were tons of civilizations millions of years ago that have gone extinct by now. Yeah. Correct. So we have no idea, even, you know, right now, maybe we're the dumbest ones, (laughs) Yeah. but, 
you know, who knows what could have happened millions of years ago or what can happen millions of years from now. Like maybe there's a civilization that's just now starting up and in 5 million years, mm -hmm. they'll be super advanced. Yeah, that's true. Everyone's got to start somewhere, right? If that's how in a species gains experience and becomes more conscious, you have to start somewhere. So there has to be less evolved species and hopefully we are evolving even if it feels slow, you know, hopefully. Yeah. We well, are. that's the hope. And that's why people really need to wake the fuck up because yeah. it's crucial to our survival as a species. I, I mean, think it's happening. I think there is a bit of a yeah. awakening. I think we're at the very beginning of it, but it's happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you believe in the age of Aquarius at all, then mm -hmm. you have to hope that that is going to, you know, hopefully lead us into this next chapter of the human Look at what's happening. Species. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even in the last few years, me too. And there's a lot coming out. A lot of people are waking up and thinking for themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. More than ever, more than their parents did, you know? Absolutely. So the gray aliens are a product of this universe, and they initially developed in the Zeta Reticuli binary star system, which is about 40 light years from Earth. Now, Zetas are ahead of us by a few million years or so. And because they are so far ahead of us in time, they have become space travelers. And many spend their entire existence in space. So a lot of them, I mean, if you think about that, they're constantly traveling around. A lot of these gray aliens are. They're, you know, they're not planted on one particular planet. They're just kind of traversing space, going where, where they want to go. Hmm. So Zeta Grays can integrate with the consciousness of anything. And this is how they create as well. Their ships and equipment respond to their telepathic communication and are considered live beings. That's really interesting to think about for a second that the ships that they're actually flying in could be, you know, them just formed into a ship. That's weird to think about for and sure. So like all the UFO footage that we've seen of these, you know, different objects are actually the biological being itself they're like transformers or some shit yeah <laughs> kind of no, yeah they they can they can they can sort of change their form to you know what they're trying to do when they travel specifically it's also interesting too because with the roswell crash the flying saucers they said had no buttons or anything like that like there was no oh, levers or any that, yeah. sort of driving mm -hmm. piece to the actual ship at all it that it was like they operated telepathic yeah with the user minds to do it. So they have this ability to not only time travel, they can shift from 3D to 4D, but they can move through other dimensions as well. So a lot of these UFO vehicles that we capture could potentially be just grays flying around. The grays have been involved with this earth periodically since the first life forms were established here and with humanity since their earliest evolutionary leaps. So one of the sort of staples as far as the greys go is they are most commonly associated with the type of aliens that people experience during abduction encounters. Mm -hmm. So, and the reason for this is because many people believe that one of their main purposes for being here is to study our DNA. That the reason why they're abducting humans is so that they can conduct experiments on us and extract DNA samples. It's not necessarily that they want to hurt us. It's more that they're, they're, they're studying us. They're definitely studying like us. Like a bunch of hamsters. Yeah. yeah. Or mice. Do they, do they experiment on hamsters? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about hamsters. I know they do <laughs> mice though. Yeah. I don't think they're doing hamsters, but yeah, I mean, we're kind of like the guinea pig for them. Like mm -hmm. we're their test subject. The other reason why they're interested in extracting DNA from us is they want to create hybrid species us, oh. our DNA mixed with their DNA to try to create like a new type of being that, you know, can get both qualities. Cause there's, I think there's something that is unique to humans that a lot of these alien species are very interested in. I don't mm. quite know exactly what that is. I don't know if you can think of anything off the top of your head that <laughs> they would want from us that, you know, they don't have. Maybe our empathy abilities maybe we have sensitivity that they don't or good looks i don't know like <laughs> i don't know maybe they like how we look or something so but th that's what they're most commonly associated with is experimenting on dna as well as alien abductions some of the other evidence for gray aliens existing goes back to we've been talking about roswell and this project called planet serpo now we don't know for sure if this project really happened or not but essentially what happened was that after Roswell, 
we retrieved the craft and we retrieved bodies, both dead, but we had one alien that was alive that we captured. And according to this Project Serpo exchange, we actually were able to communicate with this being that survived the crash at Roswell. And we were able to figure out where they were from. And they told us that they were from this planet called Serpo in the Zeta Reticuli star system. And according to this conspiracy, I guess it's kind of a conspiracy, they actually sent humans to planet Serpo and they brought, you know, because they brought people here. So that, that's a, another topic for another day. But it is interesting that the greys are associated with that. Could that also kind of tie into the whole RH negative thing about how you were saying they're using our DNA to try and make like a hybrid species? Is that maybe what RH negative is? Uh, I think RH negative goes back even farther than that. I think it goes back to... To a different species? To Well, and we've talked about the Anunnaki before. Mm-hmm. I think... I think RH negative goes way, 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 way back to like the origins of human civilization. Like this, this DNA situation that they're doing is just purely experimental because they are trying to cross DNA together in order to create new beings that can help them. And some people say that they can Mm -hmm. enslave and things like that. But I think it's more of like a, you know, more just interest in studying us versus and this you is know, just what explaining. we've heard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean us, I, I'm just no giving you my, my opinion. But one of the most credible pieces of evidence for the Zeta Greys is from Bob Lazar, actually. Because in 1989, when Bob Lazar came forward, we did a whole episode on Bob Lazar and all of the information he gave us about Area 51, right? We didn't even mm-hmm. know that Area 51 existed until Bob Lazar came forward. But Bob Lazar made a statement that said when he was working on this, you know, flying saucers this craft that they had this extraterrestrial craft he said there was some paperwork that indicated that this ufo was from the zeta reticuli star system how they obtained that i haven't the slightest idea it wasn't just from the zeta reticuli star system it was what they called zr3 it was a third planet in that star system there was no other information about it other than that's where the craft supposedly came from so that's coming from bob lazar too and if you think bob lazar is credible at all Mm -hmm then you, you have to believe that He's that's true. He's a real true. deal, man, yeah. So to me, that's that's pretty good evidence mm-hmm. to suggest that we have been visited at least by extraterrestrials from the Zeta Reticuli star system. So I, I think there's a very good possibility that greys really exist. What the fuck is this picture? That's the scariest shit I've oh, ever yeah, yeah. seen. My oh, dreams yeah, yeah. are this is This is interesting. So this picture is actually from an 1895 German gynecology manual. What? <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Yes. Shut no joke. up. That scares me even more. So a lot of people think that this is further evidence that people knew about grays even what? before the 1900s, back in 1895. Because do these look like aliens or do they look like humans? Like a weird mixture of both. They're so scary. <laughs> I hate them so much. They look like weird bird people. But they kind of have like the elongated heads and all of that. Ugh. So, and this is from 1895. Wait, so why was it a gynecology thing? Well, there's other images too that show them doing different things like spreading Ew. their legs and things like that. What? That was written in this German manual. What the fuck? And they had this picture in there? Yes. And there's other ones that look like they're stretching and doing weird things. Okay. That's the weirdest shit <laughs> I've ever seen. I hate it. Yeah. And to me, I'm like... If that was supposed to be a human, they could have did a slightly better job, right? That does not look too human-like to me. But moving on, let's talk about the fucking reptilians. So only about 20% of alien abductees describe reptilian encounters. And still, according to some of these reports, earth-dwelling reptilian beings or reptoids are humanoid and stand about six to nine feet tall. Their human-like bodies are very muscular with long arms and legs three long fingers and one thumb on each hand and their skin has a dark green or brown scales. And according to some reports, they have tails. So the rest of them just kind of looks like your standard reptile. They've got, you know, the (laughs) slits and they've got the fucking snake eyes and they're creepy as fuck. So they can change into humans, right? They can like transform themselves. Yes. That's like one of their abilities that they're known for is shape shifting. They have the ability to, 
become whatever. A lot of people think a ton of celebrities are actually reptilians. Right. Like Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga. Beyonce. And a lot of political leaders too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most mm-hmm. of the elites That's what they think. pretty much they believe are. Which maybe, who knows. So jumping right to the conspiracy theory surrounding reptilians now, this originated with David Icke, that he's the one who came up with this whole conspiracy that the reptilians have like interbred with humans to form the sort of elite group, the Illuminati are all a bunch of reptilian human hybrids that, you know, that because they're, you know, two species together that they're able to shape shift. And that's why they're able to look perfectly like humans and shape shift into reptiles and reptilians when they're, you know, not in the public light. And according to David Icke, everybody in the elite class and all the governments, businesses, banking, and even the royal families are, you know, at least part reptilian. I wish there was more evidence for that. Well, and there is some evidence that he puts forward. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen him talk about this. There's stuff specifically related to the Vatican that's pretty interesting. But mm-hmm. I want to say I'll say we'll save that for a Vatican episode because it is actually really creepy to think about that there is some definite, you know, symbolism there that ties back to reptilians. Just but, thinking about there could be a species that can transform themselves to look like humans is a really scary idea. It is. I mean, I see why people are so interested in this mm-hmm. possibility. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And according to David Icke, the reptilians are a negative species. They are here to control us, to take over the planet, and they feed off negative energy. Uh, provided by human misery and suffering. And so that's essentially what, what their goal is, is to completely take over the human race and destroy it. How the fuck does David Icke know that? Yeah, (laughs) I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is a lot of people do not, you know, just think he's kind of crazy and has no idea what he's talking about. And that he uh, might, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to completely discredit him. I don't know enough about this. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to like look at his evidence he put forward in his his book and his you know different things. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's got some stuff in there that's interesting, and that's the thing is like mm-hmm. it's bits and pieces of right. things that when he point. puts it all together, he's he makes a very bold conclusion that this is what's happening, and that's how it is with a lot of conspiracy theories and ideas out there. Is there is bits and truths that are part of the story as a whole. But is the overall conspiracy true? Sometimes you yeah. don't know. Yeah, that well, that's exactly right. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's dangerous to just go all in on a conspiracy theory when, you know, there's just bits and pieces of truths there right. mixed in with a lot of bullshit, you know. Right. It's it's really hard. That's why you can't I th- don't think you can in. go full in on everything. So because mm-hmm. it's a slippery slope before you believe every single thing. Right. And everything can't all exist at once, you know? Right. So he believes that there's these draconian reptilians that are essentially running the planet. So as far as where reptilians come from, many people believe that they originated from the constellation of Draco and that perhaps, you know, the old ancient astronaut theory, uh, we've talked about that with the Anunnaki and all that, that they actually brought them here to sort of oversee, you know, life here on earth. They're kind of looked at as the overlords, like they're the species that is controlling everything including us humans so that pretty much sums up the reptilian alien species for the most part they're overlords they're aggressive and they're likely not don't have our best interests in mind but let's move on to the pleiadians or uh, it's pronounced a lot of different ways Uh, they're also kind of known as the nordic species because they look like People from Norway and Sweden and those different places. They're supposed to be blonde with blue eyes. Yes. Kind of look like people. Yeah, they sort of. No, they look exactly like people, just more beautiful than we are. Hmm. And they have more perfect bodies, symmetrical, and and they have this luminosity to them. Like they kind of have a glow to them because they have a higher dimensional frequency. Kind of angelic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're supposed to have originated from the Pleiades star cluster. And that from a dimensional perspective, they exist from 3D to 9D, which I doubt there's any 3D. So 9D meaning that they are, you know, almost like 
some of them could be almost like gods at that point. I can't like, even wrap my head around that. Oh, 9D. I know. I know. But as far as their evolution goes, they supposedly evolved millions of years ago as one of the early races of what we would call humankind. And they're one of the first forms of humanoids, really. I mean, they've been around far longer than we have. And some have said that their DNA have been used in order to develop many human beings in this universe, including those of our solar system on Venus, Mars, Maldek, and Earth. So prior human species, you know, we've talked about life on Mars at one point, mm-hmm. potentially. The, Good possibility. Right. The Pleiadians or Pleiadians had something to do with it. It's kind of a trippy idea to think that there could be an alien race that looks exactly like us, that's walking around Earth with us, and yeah. we wouldn't even know. Yeah, and this would be the, the species to do it, for mm-hmm. sure. They would be the ones that we probably would just notice, like, hey, that person has some serious glow to them, you know. Beautiful, or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're striking to look at. So they're known to be healers on many levels, and they can empathize and soothe all pains with their sensitive communication and transfer of light. They communicate by means of light transfer, and these beings have a natural radiance that comes from their mystical knowing of how to connect and share source light. And their involvement on Earth is to provide genetic and energetic models for early human development, and they are the missing link in our evolution to our current form. They were also the guides for Atlantis and Lumeria and have been involved in the nurturing of many life forms on Earth that begin elsewhere, such as whales and dolphins, they say. So they almost seem like protectors. Yeah, they're definitely like guardian species for sure. Because I've thought about that a lot. You know, if there are all these alien species, what's stopping any of them from coming and just taking over our planet and enslaving us? Maybe there's a species out there that protects us. Yeah, there's absolutely. There's a force that keeps other, you know, species from fucking with other planets. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of the, the belief among people that mm-hmm. think that these are real is that there is a council of extraterrestrial species that meet and like much like the UN meets on earth. It's kind of like in Lilo and stitch. (laughs) Yeah. Similar to that for sure. Like they get together Mm -hmm. and there's good and bad and Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a balance there and yeah. Cause why wouldn't, you know, the reptilians just take over the planet whenever they want and you know, start ruling us. Well, it's because there's these other species out there that are looking out for us and you know, playing as our guardians in a lot of ways. That makes me sleep better at night. Mm-hmm. I like to think that they would step in if we're doing anything really stupid. Like if we're about to get into a nuclear war or something, they would stop us. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Wishful thinking. I, I mean, I, I think so. I believe that because I feel like why hasn't something happened yet? Yeah. And there has been other examples of, you know, yeah, bomb nuclear testing reactors being, being shut down mm-hmm. during tests, things yeah. like that. Yeah. So there really definitely could be guardians of Earth out there for sure. So a lot of the information that we have in regards to the Pleiadians is from people who have claimed to have encountered them. And a lot of the stories originated with a person named Billy Meyer of Switzerland who claimed he had several visits with them beginning in the 1940s. And the majority of his information came from discussions with a female Pleiadian named Samjis in the late 1970s and early 1980s. So this particular alien species has been talked about for years now. I mean, almost a hundred years that people and not just Billy, there's other people that have had encounters with what they believe or were told by the being that they were, uh, you know, these Nordics or Pleiadians. Other theorists have claimed that the Pleiades aliens and humans share a common ancestor, but no evidence of this has ever been discovered until now. Due to the aliens, exceptionally fair appearance and above average height, the Northern European races, particularly The Scandinavians have long been hypothesized to be the closest hybrid race of humans and these Pleiades aliens, which would make a lot of sense. I Mm -hmm. mean, they they definitely look very, very similar in physical features. Now, this is really cool. This is an actual artifact that was recently discovered that dates back 3,600 years, and it's known as the Nebra Sky Disk. And it was discovered in Germany, and it provides a clear star map to the Pleiades star system And a lot of people believe that, you know, being found in this part of the world, you know, in this close to the Scandinavian area, that it could perhaps relate back to this alien species. So this particular disc was found in 1999 by two previously convicted treasure looters. 
and it was seized by authorities in 2002 along with other Bronze Age objects in a police operation in Switzerland. And clearly, when you look at this thing, it it's a map. It's a night sky. And specifically in there is the Pleiades star constellation. So how, and this is 3,600 years old. Here's yet another artifact mm. that is ancient and it is showing us clearly these different, you know, it's an astrological map on this disc. It's weird that it shows Venus, Mars, and Mercury. Well, see how it's sectioned off? Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So stage, there's different stages to this map. So in stage one, a sun disk and a crescent moon are etched into the chart. A star system, most likely the Pleiades, is clustered in between them. The two arcs were added to at the horizons of the map and at their axis point of 82 degrees, which is made to match the winter and mm. summer solstice. Mm-hmm. And then a sunship was added at the bottom of the map to help with the navigation of sea journeys using star alignments as markers. And then 40 holes were punched into the diameter of the chart and it was buried in a pit in East Germany around 1500 BC, approximately 1500 BC. That's so fucking This old. is, they had a literal sky map and they knew of the Pallades star constellation. The fact that they even knew about these planets is so weird. I mean, how would they, how would they have possibly, there was no telescope. Not a modern one by any means. Yeah, and, and probably weird. not any sort of device like a telescope. No. So, again, where does this information come from? That's uh-huh. the biggest mystery to me is mm-hmm. how did these ancient cultures have this they, astrological information? Yeah, it's so accurate. A lot of them had star maps and things that they just shouldn't have known about mm-hmm. with how advanced we are told they were. Yeah, and how long it took for us to just discover shit in the yeah, night sky. Like, seriously. It took us a long, long time, yet they had mm-hmm. this in 1500 B.C. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a definitely a good possibility that there are these Nordic aliens or Palladians out there. And maybe this artifact is something to do with it. Maybe that was uh, left by them or given to us by them a long time ago. Now, the next species we're going to be talking about is the mantis. Oh, aliens, this one creeps me out or so the much. Yeah, this one creeps out a lot of people to think about. Well, I think one of the reasons why people are especially scared of, of this species of aliens is because... Imagine coming into contact with a six to eight foot tall mantis being towering over you that could kill you or eat yeah. you. Or well, if it was as big as us and it was had the strength of a small praying mantis, then it definitely could eat us. Probably eat our head right off. Yeah. That's what they're known yeah. for. Yeah, I mean, they are carnivores, so mm-hmm. that could definitely be a possibility. So these uh, mantis species look exactly like a, a much larger version of the insect also slightly altered a bit to look more humanoid as far as oh, their wow. body goes, but their heads are the main thing that people say look a lot like Kinda the pregnant insect. Yep. Like a beak. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, these ones creep me out so much. I'm surprised they creep you out that much because don't you love praying mantises? You always see yeah, how fun they are. But not six to eight feet foot ones. I mean, the actual insects are really cool, but they're not going to kill me. <laughs> These guys don't look too nice, and I hear they're not, right? Can't well, they be vicious? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are commonly associate them with the reptilians, that they're kind of working hand-in-hand mm. hand with them here. It's also believed that the mantis species comes from the same Draco star system as the reptilians, so they're kind of neighbors, or maybe they inhabit the same planets together. Like The main theory or belief is that they are working together. Huh. And their collaborative effort in order to take over, you know, species and other planets. So it seems like if all this is true, then there's got to be some type of like war going on or like disagreement. Or there has been in the yeah. past mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. And that maybe there's some type of treaty right now. Because or everyone has different interests, it seems. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it's, you know. People want to control things. They want to have power over, you know, areas of space. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think we really know the real reason why, you know, if this is real, they would be, you know, doing this. But apparently they also communicate with humans 
using telepathic messages. And I know I've seen a couple people who have claimed to have encountered these mm-hmm. beings and, and said that it was like one of the most terrifying things they've ever I experienced that, you know, coming face to face with one of these guys is yeah. scary enough, but then to have it in your head talking to you. And apparently they oh, talk in this that. clicking, like they kind of click. They kind of like they're almost so like much. munching, but it's like, this fast clicking and then you know what they're saying in and your then mind it's being yeah Whoa. translated to you in your head it's fucking trippy but they're also shapeshifters and they use advanced technologies to create a field around their bodies to make them appear human mm. they're also masters of sound and color and they're able to create bubbles like force fields around their bodies in order to travel through time and space so they're highly highly wow. advanced on the consciousness scale they're, so is that what we're seeing when we see orbs it could be. That's what's crazy wow. is that the orbs that we're actually seeing could A, be bubbles. spirits or B, they could be extraterrestrials that are just traveling in a different form, Damn. which is crazy to think about. But as far as their involvement with Earth, one of the common beliefs out there is that the mantis are assisting and in many ways overseeing the Zeta Reticulin hybrid program and human spiritual advancement project. Like the Zetas, they are asked by galactic councils to participate and they are assuring that universal principles are adhered to as well as giving their expertise in frequency alignment. And they are the artists in the hybrid process, if you will. They often are seen in the background during abduction experiences, and these are usually four to five D mantis beings, but they are tuned into guidance from their higher dimensional kin who play a part in spiritually guiding them. And prior to this recent involvement, mantis have had little to do with Earth other than gifting the planet with the praying mantis insect that has since evolved into many glorious colors. And these little creatures, even the little guys, hold special energy of their mantis parents. Wow. That's cool, huh? That is really cool. That makes me want to own one. If you think about that, yeah. yeah. You want to own one of them? (laughs) I do. I've always wanted to own one. We should get a praying mantis. That'd be cool. You have no idea how many hours I've spent watching praying mantis They're so cool, man. And they're so so powerful for a little, and they're not scared of anything. They just attack. They're just, the way they move is really fascinating. And they move, and the way they attack is just with such precision. Mm -hmm. Like they move their arms. Yeah, they're, Mm -hmm. they're crazy little buggers, that's for sure. But there's actually even been... Draw. Crazy little buggers. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> no, but there's what's interesting too is that there's actually drawings in South Africa on cave art of giant praying mantises. So it's like, what what would be significant enough about a little bug to Make draw cave art of it? Wow. First of all, so and it goes back to that they are somehow involved with the human hybrid program that they're genetically altering us. So I don't know, pretty interesting stuff. But the last species we're going to be talking about is the Andromedans. And the Andromedans are from, are actually our closest neighbor as far as species go. If we're going to think about hypothetically, if there was a species from another star system, where would it be from? Or another galaxy, where would it be from? Now, the Andromedans, uh, according to people who have seen them, have said that they are kind of a cross between, I guess, a gray alien and a human. But they're more human-like than they are gray alien-like. They're not quite as elongated and you know gangly-looking as a gray alien is. But that there's a different, you know, different races of them within their species. And a lot of people believe that the Andromedans have been, you know, visiting us for a long time, and that they're even depicted in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, like some of the images of unknown beings that are in the hieroglyphs actually could be Andromedans. Some of those that have elongated heads too. Yeah, yeah, some of that too. But as far as we know, the Andromedans are benevolent and friendly aliens from the Andromeda galaxy. They're a telepathic race, lovers and keepers of peace and love, and they want to watch or help save the races enslaved by evil reptilians. Andromedans are noted in the Galactic Federation for their mastery of all forms of scientific endeavor. They exist from 3D on up to 12D and were on Earth some 62,000 years ago for a period of 62 years and now. We don't really know too much about their evolution. It's, it's still unknown. But their involvement with Earth is, according to some sources, the Andromedans form part of the Interstellar Federation, 
known as the Council of Andromeda. And their goals for planet Earth and humanity vary from removing all hostile extraterrestrial presence to promoting the use of electric cars. <laughs> wow, I like them a lot. Yeah, they're cool. However, they always seem to have good intentions and are protective of humankind. Although due to certain findings, their presence on Earth can be traced as far back to the days when the ancient Hindu deities and the ancient Egyptian hierarchy ruled, which leaves a lot of uncertainty about their true goals for humanity. Because like if here's an example of one of the one of the races within the Andromedans, they're winged creatures like they have wings and can, you know, take more of a form of an avian type okay species which is another which is a whole another alien. species of aliens as well yeah, the we avians. won't get into that today but yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're saying like some of the because there's clearly these humanoid avian beings on some of these you know etched into some of the stone in the temples in egypt and things like that so people suggest that perhaps you know the egyptians and even the sumerians were actually depicting these and uh andromedan aliens but one of the biggest pieces of evidence that I find very, very interesting is that Dr. Stephen Greer, who you know many people think is leading the UFO alien uh, world, mm -hmm. he actually, in his latest film, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, he believes in this whole concept of you know contacting extraterrestrials through meditation, through consciousness. In one of his CE5 encounters he had where you know, a bunch of people get together and attempt to make contact with extraterrestrials, he actually made contact and spoke with an Andromedan being named Bijou. And I'll play the clip. <laughs> it's Bijou? Bijou, yeah. Told him his name. He's got a picture of him and everything. It's really interesting. What? Watch I this. I don't want to see that. We haven't seen it yet, but a lot of people want us to react to it on an episode. Yeah, I would love to. Because we'd love to talk to Dr. Greer himself in person. And our goal is to get him on this show one day. We will get him one day. But it's a little hard right now, given the state of the world. Yeah. I don't, there's not much traveling going on. But we got to watch that, his newest Well, this is a clip that's on YouTube. Uh, and we'll play the little clip with Bijou in it. We're dealing with civilizations where almost every aspect of how they appear in our time space would look like magic to us. And in the CIA, uh, this is actually called WSFM. Sounds like a radio station. It stands for Weird Science and Frickin' Magic. A spacecraft can be completely 3D like you see a solid aircraft. It can be partially in this dimension, but shifted mostly into another dimension. So I liken this to like when you're turning a dial on an old AM radio and you can move it across and you suddenly pick up Chicago and New York. At the same time, they're bleeding together, dimensional bleeding. And so often these ET craft will be partially in this dimension, but mostly out. And all that we will detect in this dimension might be an electronic signature, orb, or an object that appears and flashes in and out, a scintillation of light that then vanishes, or an object that comes in where it looks almost like a hologram of an ET being that will be standing amongst us but it's an electronically teleported version of that conscious being. I love this one. His name is Bijou. It's pronounced Bijou. He's an interstellar being from Andromeda, and he has a very bright-looking nose because there is an uh, orb here that teleported him onto the site. With the naked eye, the only thing that was seen was this sphere that came up right beside my shoulder. When I asked him where he was from, he said it was from Andromeda galaxy. They're interested if you have a pure heart, a clear intent, and you're wanting to join them in universal peace. That's it. What do you think about that, though? I mean, that kind of, that's probably the best evidence that we have of these Andromedans. I mean, I really am fascinated by anything Dr. Greer says, and I will listen and take it seriously. So that's really intriguing. And he provided evidence. I mean, he said that when we saw it, it was just a light form, you know, it was just an orb essentially. And that with the cameras that they had, which I don't think people realize that camera technology is, is coming a very, very long way. We're actually starting to be able to see things that the naked eye can't see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with different types of lens, we're able to see these different, you know, types of light and, you know, even potentially like different dimensions. If it feels like, well, it's the way that in sometimes in photography, especially paranormal photography, you see orbs and stuff Yeah, that can be picked up with lenses, but like you're saying, more advanced lenses are getting even more. And well, and not only lenses, but software as well. There's, you know, I've 
uh, there's software out there that has allowed us to actually look at spirits that are, you know, inhabiting haunted places. We're able to capture nothing to the naked eye, but then when you run it through this software, it's able to actually create the actual image that was there that just couldn't be seen. Like we're getting very, so much closer to being Mm -hmm. able to see in this unseen world where, you know, we're going to start unlocking all of these answers to the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And like with this, I mean, that to me looks like some type of being of some sort. And I mean, that did. And the fact that Dr. Greer actually made contact with it, was able to find out where he was from and what his name was. Bijou. I like that name. So there you go out of, you know, there's your evidence for some of these species. And at the end of the day, I mean, we don't know for sure if any of this is real or not, but if you're a believer in aliens like I am, I definitely hold out hope that at least some of these species that we're talking about are real. You'd think there's got to be some truths here. Maybe it's not all completely as we understand it or what's out there, but there's got to be something to a lot of these claims, you know? And so many people verify these same species keep coming up. Yeah, yeah really interesting to especially think about. these five like these mm-hmm. five are some of the most popular ones out there and you know if you but guys like others. this then yeah. we can talk about more in the future because yeah. there's tall whites there's endless avians. ones yep there's Who all else? sorts of ones there's more right oh yeah there's way more <laughs> and again if you want to look at some in the meantime i'll post a link for that book. Uh, alien book mm-hmm. that has all the species in it because it's kind of an interesting read but yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode there. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was definitely different. Yeah, it's a little out, out there, there for sure. Gotta be but, open-minded for this one for sure. But I think I know a lot of you out there really like this stuff mm-hmm. and are fascinated by yeah. the, the prospect of extraterrestrials. And at the end of the day, even if it's not true, it's still interesting to consider and think about and let your mind go a mile higher. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Thanks again for joining us. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you think, but we'll go ahead and see you guys next week. Stay safe and stay woke.